Welcome to Ministry in Motion, a program where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Whether you're a full-time pastor or a lay leader in your local church, God wants you to be an effective Christian leader. And our topic today is very relevant, effective fundraising. You might say, fundraising? I hate fundraising. That's why you need this program, because I would probably have said that myself uh, a couple of years ago. But actually, fundraising, if you understand your biblical foundations and right principles, can be a renewing experience for your congregation. Our guest today is Dr. Lilia Wagner. Thank you for being with us. And you have a broad experience in philanthropy. Now, some people don't know what philanthropy is, but tell me, tell me about your experience and some of the things that you've done. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Philanthropy, of course, is as old as a Bible. It goes back to the Greeks and the Romans. And, of course, generosity has existed for time immemorial. But organized philanthropy really has been around for about since the beginning of America. And we have a, a most formal system probably for effecting philanthropy, for giving, for requesting funds for our organizations. And philanthropy sometimes isn't very well understood. I remember when I first joined the Center on Philanthropy at Indiana University, there was a documentary that was going around. And it was one of these, the man in the street type interview where the interviewer would just stick a microphone in front of the person and they would say, what is philanthropy? And some of those responses were quite amazing and amusing. And the one I remember the most was where somebody looked puzzled and said, well, I think it's a prehistoric fish. <laughs> well, then they came to the definition that my first boss at the center had coined, Bob Payton. He was world renowned for his thinking and practice in philanthropy which was voluntary action for the public good. Hmm. And I think that's quite an all-encompassing definition that I like. And voluntary action for the common good. Public good. For the, for the right. public good. Well, that's okay. official, right. Now, you are also director for philanthropic service for the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. So you're involved in a church organization, but still connected with the center? Yes, I still do work for them as well. But we are a consulting arm of the North America Division, and we service any kind of organization from church to school to universities to health care. And it's very interesting to see how these needs are met. And philanthropy has grown enormously in the last two decades, where I don't think people have as hard a time spelling it as they once used to. <laughs> you know, when I'm thinking about um, philanthropy, uh, giving for the public good, yeah, I, I, I think of some stories in the Bible that, that inspired me, and, and rather than me share them, are there some stories that, that kind of have impacted you as you think about what you do and what you inspire others to do. Yes, I'm a pastor's daughter, and so I became acquainted with some of these stories pretty early. And naturally, in the book of Exodus, they had one of the first capital campaigns on record. And the Lord prepared them. And another interesting thing is when we sometimes think, who would give to us? He prepared the people to go to their neighbors to get money 
the equivalent of money to take with them so that when they had to build this tabernacle in the wilderness where there were no foundations, no corporations to give, people were ready to give. And that, of course, is an interesting fact because when we look at statistics of giving in the United States, over 80% of every charitable dollar, not counting what government gives to nonprofits, comes from individuals, mm. people giving to people with causes, with good causes. So you know, that's an interesting principle when you at least look at that story in Exodus that, that God blessed people so that they could give or maybe blessed them and then they were able to give. Well, when we think about some of the well-known texts, and I think you will probably think of them as much as I will being a pastor, one of the first ones that many of us have learned is it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's the word of Jesus. Absolutely. And now what interests me a great deal, well, first of all, I saw the Bible in a different light once I got into fundraising as a profession because while I knew the Bible as my gospel and my religious book, now I see that the Bible actually has a lot of good advice on good fundraising. Mm. So it is a very biblical practice. But I should also add that now we have secular research, like from the National Institutes of Health, that actually say that people who are generous, they live longer, they're healthier, and they're happier. And I think that's true. That's beautiful. Now, I want to go back to that story uh, in Exodus where people gave actually to the point where Moses had to say, we have all that we need. What, what um, motivated that kind of generosity, do you think? It, it can't just be that they had things to give because there are many people who have things to give who don't give anything. So what motivates that kind of uh, generosity? Partly it is the fact that um, when we think about the research and why do people give, I think it matches uh, some of the biblical incidents as well as injunctions quite well. One is people give to make a difference. Uh, one is very definitely people will give if they're involved in something and they feel it's meaningful. And uh, one of the biggest reasons that people don't give is because they're not asked. Mm. And so some of these reasons that we cite when we do professional fundraising training are very much relevant in the biblical scene too, that if people feel it's meaningful, if people feel it's going to make a difference in their lives or somebody they care about, that connection, mm -hmm. that's going to be some of the motivation of why they will give. Well, after the break, we're going to be talking about six uh, rights right ways to do things, or six rights anyway, for effective fundraising. Uh, that's very practical. When we get to things like that, I start writing them down because I think that's something I could take with me. And we'll, we'll give them a website at the end, but I hope you'll stay with us for this important topic of effective fundraising. I know from my own experience that I was intimidated when I thought about a fundraising campaign, but actually discovered that it was a time of seeing God work, not only in our community, but even in my own heart, uh, changing me. After the break, we'll talk about six rights, uh, six uh, principles that could help us to have an effective fundraising campaign, not just to get money, but to, to follow the vision that God has for you uh, 
as a blessing to your community. So stay with us for more Ministry in Motion. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, effective fundraising. Our guest, Dr. Lilia Wagner, thanks for being with us today. Thank We've you. talked about the Bible, a great illustration from the book of Exodus that God blessed his children, which gave them freedom then to be able to give. And, and the concept that God, uh, it's more blessed to give than to receive, but if you give, it's also given back to you. So, so there's some blessings that come back to us. But I want to move on now. You talked about these six rights. I use the word right, like right as opposed to wrong. Six principles for effective fundraising. And when I, ever, when I hear lists like that, I, I start writing them down, Lilia, because it seems like I could remember that and I could implement it. So if, if someone wants these six principles, write them down. What would a first principle be for effective fundraising? First, let me say that these are from the fundraising school, which is part of the Center of Philanthropy and part of the curriculum that we have. And the six rights really represent the principles. In fundraising, there is no such thing as a 10 easy steps, as much as we'd like that. <laughs> there are principles that we learn, and then we adapt them to our situations. All right. And the principles are sometimes timeless. And the first principle is the right person asking, in fact, who should be asking for money, the right prospect. People are generous, but not everybody will give to our causes for the right cause. You see, that goes together with that. Uh, what will people want to give to when you think that there are close to 100, I'm sorry, 1.4 million nonprofits in the United States alone, never mind how many other global. million nonprofits. Close to it, yes. My. And so in the right way, and that's all the tools, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the use of social media, mail, the personal ask, and at the right time, are our organizations ready to steward the money, to use the money, which comes to the organizational management aspect, and then for the right amount. Then this phrase of anything you can give will help should be banished forever. Tell All me right, what my money does. All right. So let's, let's unpack those because there's some, some, uh, there's some more depth to those than meets the eye. The right person asking. So... Let's take the case study. I was pastoring a church in Orlando. They had a $2.4 million fundraising campaign, and it wasn't a very glamorous project. It was to put in 670 parking places. Oh, that's exciting. We didn't get that reaction, <laughs> but it, it gave new life to the church to be able to expand in its mission. So who is the right person? Is it... Well, it's obviously, you say it's obviously the lead pastor, Derek. You're the one that you're the right person to ask everyone for money, right or wrong? Not exactly right. We can also equate that to, let's say, a university president that most okay. people can relate to. Is it the right person? It's, a lot of times it's who are you best linked with? What is a respect factor? As a pastor, sometimes if you ask for money from your congregation, they could feel pressured 
or they could feel that you're the role model. You have to know how to present that correctly. If you go outside of the church, because many other population groups could be interested in that project, well, are you proselytizing or are you representing a good cause? So some of it is really how we present ourselves. And the key factor is that no one should be a solo singer. When it comes to fundraising, it takes a team because of that fact, the right person asking. And again, here the implication is a board needs to be involved. The board is very critical to fundraising, but they don't all have to ask in person, which is what people fear. There are other tasks. So the, the right person is not one individual for the whole program? No, definitely uh, Whether not. it's a, a university principal or a president or a school principal exactly. or a lead pastor. But the leader has to be supportive, has to be involved with the project. And I should also add, fundraising is an organizational context. It's never something that sits out there by them itself. I'm always worried when I go on site and I see that the fundraising office is in the back 40 in a trailer. They need to be part of the whole picture of the organization. Then it'll succeed. So... If someone's watching the program saying, well, we need help knowing who the right person or persons are, uh, do they bring in a consultant to help with that? Does their governing board, their church board or university board help with that? Is it worth bringing someone in to help identify those right persons? Sometimes, more often than not, it's really who knows whom. We know that's how a lot of America works anyway. Who knows whom? With whom do you have a rapport so you can talk about a project? And I think we should stress that it's really not about the money. It's about good causes that have a price tag. Of course, campaigns are money intensive, but we should never forget that the focus is on what it is that we're doing. If it's a project, whom does it benefit? What is the value of that project? And then people get more engaged and they get more excited about the project. And there are various different tasks that each person can do. So it does take a team effort to I'm do. I'm hearing that word team over and over again. Even, even the people asking are a team. But let's go to the second right, and that is the right prospect. Uh, I thought we were supposed to ask everyone. What do we mean by the right prospect? What is their link to the organization? What kind of interest do they have? And do they have a vested interest that maybe if, like, for a college and university, they were alumni? If a healthcare organization does fundraising, maybe it's because they're a grateful patient or they're a physician who works there. And by the way, the family should always give. If a board doesn't give, they really don't have a right to go to somebody else, do they? So the right prospect starts with the with the kind of the leadership team. Yes. And if they're not if they're not engaged, is it going to fail? Is the is the well? Why would I give if the if the inner circle doesn't give? So not necessarily the amount they give. You're saying, but that they're engaged. Exactly. All right. Exactly. And so when we think about prospects and we think about the realm of who could give, let's say you're in a community, you've been an economic factor. Uh, businesses like to give. It's good for their image. It's good for their how the community views them. We even know that they'll 
they uh, people will purchase from businesses that are noted to be generous in the community. So when we think about all the possibilities of who could be out there, we need to think what is their interest in it? Why would they want to be involved in this pro in this project? And of course, in a way, that lessens some of the great fear of competition because we realize not everybody has the same interests. And people do give more than just one cause. I'll give to animals, to children, sure. internationally, education, and I don't make that much. You know, when we come back after the break, we're going to talk about four other rights, but we, we've got to make sure we've got the right person asking, and we're asking the right person. We'll discover some other vital principles for effective fundraising right after the break. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, effective fundraising. We've discovered that the right person needs to be asking, and that's not just one person on your team, but the right people, if you will, on your team, and the right prospect, that's the second right, and we know it's got to start with the leadership team and asking the right people, but, but then the right cause, Lilia, we've already got a cause. Let's say the cause is uh, building a, a new wing to a, to a school. So, so isn't the cause defined by what we're doing? What do you mean by the right cause? More likely, it's what happens in a building. When you look about at what does it take to make a case, which is our terminology in fundraising, it's where you explain what the problem is that you're trying to solve. What exists and it's good, but you need to make better. And that's what we mean by making a case. I see. And therefore, if, let's say, you're building a church, you're building a church not because you need a new church. It's what happens in that church. Mm. What happens in that school? Suppose you come to me and you say, we need new microscopes. Ours are really too old. They go back to the early days. Well, why? Okay, because science is a very important part of what our constituents want their students to have. It's something they need for their jobs. That's what we mean by making a case. So it's more than just the project itself. Why is a project important? Why do you need to carry it out? For whose benefit? What are you solving? So back to the parking lot in Orlando. If the parking lot provides safer, level, well-lit places so that the community people can, can participate in the life of the church, that, that makes more sense than just saying the number of parking places provided. And accessibility, since I know that church, it's frustrating to have to park in the back 40 to make it to church. And risk, you make risk your life and limb getting, getting there into you the go. building. <laughs> All right, so we've got the right people asking the right prospects for the right cause in the right way. Now that sounds really important because uh, the way that you ask, what, what, what is the right way? That's your toolbox. Okay. And that's where we really do get to the, shall we say, the nitty gritty of fundraising. Of course, one of the biggest things we have seen in the last several years is the social media. How do we integrate, let's say, texting with a requesting for funds? We think of the Haiti crisis, which was one of the first times that people texted widely in order to give. That's right. They gave 
through by texting. Right. Right. Your website is very important as a tool. Online to giving. Exactly. And then, of course, are the written pieces. Direct mail is not dead. Mailing to people, telling them about the, what the cause is and what the need is, but combined with the other tools, which, of course, makes it a lot more interesting. Uh, there's still nothing like face-to-face. -face. I mean, Jesus represented that in the Bible, the face-to-face, -face, where you look somebody in the eye, mm -hmm. say, here are the needs. I know you have an interest in helping solve this. Uh, we That's still... a place face-to-face. -face. You can also talk about the right cause, right? So Absolutely. you're explaining why we're doing this. Absolutely. The and then, of course, uh, writing proposals, for example, for government funding or foundations. So all those tools, uh, more than ever, they tend to interplay, but they are still your toolbox. And just like uh, we have any tool, uh, you can use a hammer for a number of things, including <laughs> to kill a fly. Yes. And so you adapt the tools for the right use. So that's, that's the other right. Let me ask, before we go on to the right amount, is there a website that our viewers could go to 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 gain some more information about the toolbox? There are a lot, but I would request that they start with our website, right. philanthropicservice.com. philanthropicservice.com. And then we can steer them to whatever information so that they get the best. Excellent. Now, 20 years ago, you could read everything that was ever published in fundraising. You can't anymore. There's so much out there. Mm. And if I see a book, Fundraising for Dummies, I, that's not a good idea. <laughs> I don't like being a dummy. All right. It's a real profession and a, almost an art and a science Absolutely. combined. And, and it would seem with this fifth right, the right amount, that that's where you really need some coaching because you're telling me to just say, well, whatever you'd like to give is not a good ask. So, well, it's really not as complicated as it sounds. So you have put together what your case for fundraising is. What is the problem you're solving? How will you meet that need? Now it's, what will it cost? But don't throw a big lump sum at me and just expect me to give. Tell me what my money does. If you get a letter saying, if you give $100, we will be able to do this for a certain amount of money, and that will add to the whole picture of completing the project. So it's basically not so much asking for the right amount as telling me as a donor what my money accomplishes. And let's say if I'm happy with what you tell me $100 will do, maybe I'll give 200 because I want to see it accomplished. I, I like that, and I like the way you <laughs> smile too because really um, giving people an opportunity to give, if, if I believe the research, if they give cheerfully, it will help them to live longer and give them a sense of fulfillment that they're participating in something significant. I have had people say to me, I remember once uh, asking a businesswoman to participate in a project and she just sort of sat there and I thought, well, that didn't work. And then when I got to the end of my appeal, my explanation, she just sat there again and then she looked at me and she said, it's about time you ask me. She wanted to be part of something. Right. Now, I want to go quickly to the other end of the scale of income. Too often we say, well, nobody in our community has money. 
And I could cite research that says that the lower third, if we divide people into thirds of income, that the lower third are sometimes percentage-wise more generous than the middle. We need to ask them all, and when's the right time? We've just got 30 seconds left. When's are the you right ready? time? Are you ready to give? Do you know enough about my cause? Okay. Is your organization ready to steward the money, to record it, to use it wisely, and report back to me? And if they are, it's the right time. Then it's the right time. Thank you, Dr. Lilia Wagner, for six great principles. And thank you for joining us for Ministry in Motion today. You say, I could hardly write them all down. Well, you can go to the website, ministryinmotion.tv is our website. You can also go to philanthropicservice.com and you'll be directed. You can even contact Dr. Wagner there if you'd like to get some more information. It's quite a paradigm shift, isn't it, from thinking of fundraising as, as a bitter pill to swallow to thinking about fundraising as a great adventure with some sound principles that can help you. If you'd like to share this program with someone else, just tell them to go to ministryinmotion.tv. You might want to watch it again and take some more notes. And then share what you've learned with someone else. All of our programs are available on our website so you can continue to learn. God wants you to be an effective Christian leader. So may God bless you as you broaden your vision and realize that He wants to use you to bless the lives of those around you.